0: Welcome to the Three Strands Podcast. Thank you for joining us. It's our hope and prayer that you will experience God's blessing in your life through our ministry. At Three Strands Church, our goal is to create a culture of redemption where people are free to experience the truth and grace of Jesus Christ. I brought my own socks today, but Michelle had to touch them to bring them up front, so I made sure they were clean. They haven't been worn yet. Those are unworn socks that I bought for myself but you're wondering, what does socks and underwear have to do with the Bible or with God's word or with Christianity or with church or even with Christmas, right? I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna reveal it right now. You ready? Here's what it is: socks and underwear around Christmas time equal one word. Anybody know what the word is? It's good. See, it's a good you're all here then. Socks and underwear at Christmas time equal disappointment. Is that right? disappointment. Everybody in the room has been a kid and you've opened that present on Christmas morning only to find something like this in it and want to take one of them, fill it up with rocks and hit whoever gave it to you with it, right? Because it's a disappointment. It's not what you wanted for Christmas. You didn't even think it was what you needed, but somebody decided you needed it so they gave it to you. That's disappointment. Disappointment comes When you get something that you weren't expecting to get, now some of you guys know that I grew up in Central Pennsylvania, significantly colder there than it is here. Anybody from uh, like Silvis, Illinois, you can understand, you can relate. You can relate, right? Anybody from Central Pennsylvania, you can relate. Anybody from North, you can relate, right? And so, um, uh, two days ago, I was trying to finish up my notes for today and get ready to teach. And I just happened to, when I got to this part in my outline, I thought, I'm going to look it up. And I opened up my weather app. And, of course, I keep on my weather app a couple different places I like to know the temperature of. And so one of them's here. Obviously, I want to know what the temperature is like outside. But I keep my hometown in there, too. And so I took a screenshot just to show you Friday afternoon what it looked like here and what it looked like back where I grew up. Now, I don't know if you recognize how different that feels. But it feels different. All right. And so it's not always quite that extreme, but Friday afternoon, this was the place to be. It was probably too hot in Florida and too cold in Pennsylvania, but right here in old Whitley City, it was a nice balmy 72 and sunny out. And so, uh, but anyhow, so that's where Stephanie and I spent the first few years of our marriage where I grew up. So we lived in central Pennsylvania, first few years we were married, married, and some of you have heard me kind of tell this story before because I... Kind of give her a hard time about this story. I don't even know if she's in here now, but uh, if she isn't, we can just keep it our secret. So. But um, I can't remember if it was the first year we were married or the second year we were married, but Christmas time rolled around, and I thought, I'm going to be a romantic husband. you know. And, and when you've only been married for like a year, you're still that guy. You know what I mean? So I put a lot of thought into it. And I was like, I'm gonna get her like a great Christmas present this year. And you gotta keep in mind, like it's a lot colder there than it is here. And the, the winter lasts a lot longer. And, and there's all often snow on your car in the morning. And so I thought I'm gonna get her a cold weather package for Christmas. And so I went out and I picked out like a really nice, you know, one of those sets of like gloves and scarf and winter hat, you know, and I wrapped it up. And then I, I went and got a, a little space heater. I thought she could keep that at her office if she got cold. And I got her a new coat. It was like a Columbia coat. I thought it was a good coat, you know. And, uh, and then uh, I, like the creme de la creme, the, what do they call it, the piece de resistance or the, the, top of the, the top-notch of top gift. I was like, I'm going to get her a car starter. doesn't mean all that much here, but I'm telling you, like in central Pennsylvania, a car electric car starter is like a little gift from God. It's like an angel delivered that to your house on Christmas, Right. And so I had to be sneaky, I had to get her car from her, go get it installed and then take the key fob and wrap it up and hide it. So on Christmas morning, she'd open it up and, you know, and she'd have her electric car start. So and, and so Christmas morning rolls around, she opens up all these gifts and I'm like waiting, you know what I mean? Like I'm waiting for like the reward of being such a good husband. I'm thinking, like, this is gonna be like, I won't have to clean up anything today after the Christmas dinner. I won't have to, like, make anything. I'll be able to just sit around and watch football, and basketball, and hang out. And she opens these gifts, and you could see it on her face, like one after another as she opened. You know, started with the gloves and the scarf and the hat, and, you know, and then she opens up the space heater, like, and she gets to the code, like, oh, that's nice, she says, that's nice. And then she, I'm thinking, okay, this is gonna over the top. She opens up the car starter and i could see it on her face you know what it was it was the look of disappointment <laughs> she was not happy and we didn't even hardly talk the rest of the day i think i was like in the doghouse all day and i'm just thinking what's up you know i thought i did a great job and 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 the truth is if you ask her about it now she feels a little guilty about it now to be honest but if you ask her about it now she'll tell you that the reason she was disappointed wasn't because it wasn't a valuable gift, because I actually had hundreds of dollars invested into those gifts. And and it wasn't because they weren't thoughtful, because you could tell, I put a lot of thought, I had to even be sneaky about it to to make it happen. And so it wasn't that it wasn't thoughtful, and and it wasn't even that the presents weren't good Christmas presents. She was disappointed because it wasn't what she expected. And if you know my wife, you'd know that she likes to shop for clothes. She doesn't even really care if she buys anything. She just wants, you ever go shopping with a girl and it's like, they got to touch everything in the store? You know what I'm talking about? Like when I go into the store, it overwhelms me if everything's on a rack. And I'm like, I'm looking for an employee so I can ask him if there's like a mannequin that's fully dressed. And I can be like, just give me whatever that guy's wearing. But my wife's different. She'll go into a store, goodwill, doesn't matter what store it is, and she touches everything. Like as she, oh, she wants to look at all of them. like, I can't stand it. I'm thinking the whole time, like who touched that before me, you know? And she's touching everything on every rack. And I'm like, you can't wear that. It's like a a size 44. You can't wear that. And she's still touching it, holding it up, looking at it in the mirror. And so she was thinking for Christmas, I was going to get her some clothes or some gift cards to go shopping. So she opens these gifts I got her, and she's completely disappointed by it. Why? Because unmet expectations lead to disappointment. In fact, I would call that the single only reason people get divorced. Now, if you look at, like, court documents, you'll see that people get divorced because of, you know, financial disagreements or marital infidelity or, or irreconcilable differences. That's my favorite one. Irreconcilable differences. I don't even know what that is. Like, God is the reconciler. So to get divorced because of unreconcilable differences means to say that, like, there's something that's so awful that there's no way God could reconcile it. So, But you, know, you see all these reasons. But really the reason people get divorced Is because they have expectations in their marriage, and they don't get met. And they get disappointed. That disappointment eventually turns into discouragement. That turns into bitterness. And that turns into more and more distance until eventually just like, I quit. I quit. Disappointment. Unmet expectations. The Bible calls these expectations the word hope. I want to read you what the Bible says about it, when your hope isn't met or when your expectations aren't met. It's in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. It says, hope deferred. Deferred just means put on hold. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's code for when your hope or your expectations are put on hold and you don't get them, and you feel miserable, you feel disappointed. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Now, if you're being honest, you know that there are gifts that everybody needs, but nobody really gets excited about them. Socks and underwear are that kind of gift. Everybody needs them, but nobody's going to be excited about getting them. Nobody's going to open up that present and be thankful or act real happy. So I brought this pair of socks just because it's the only clean ones I had, Michelle. Because I thought nobody's going to buy these for me, so I'm going to have to buy them myself. Because everybody else, like when Veronica goes out and buys a gift for like Pastor Appreciation Month, she doesn't go to the store and be like, oh, I bet you Kenny and Brad and Dave, I bet you they'd, they would love some new socks. She's not thinking that. She'd think we'd be disappointed if, she, if they, she got us socks, right? So I got to get them myself. And they were on sale. They were less than a buck a pair. That's a good deal, right? It's a good deal. Just saying. I guess not. Apparently not. Not a good deal, I guess. And so when the gifts you get are different than the gifts you expect, You feel disappointed. Unmet expectations have this way of turning excitement into disappointment. That's really what we're going to talk about in this series. So over the next three weeks, I want to talk with you about some gifts, those kind of gifts. Gifts that we need but aren't really excited about getting. Gifts that we don't even think are necessary until we don't have them anymore. It made me think this week of Kenny. I went to a conference with Kenny a couple years ago. You know where I'm going with this, right? I went to a conference in Virginia with Kenny a couple years ago, and we get there, and the very first night we're there, Kenny realizes he forgot to pack any underwear. We might be the only church in the county today doing underwear stories, all right? So (laughs) Kenny realizes he forgot to bring any underwear with him. Now, if you go away to a conference or on a trip, on a vacation, you're not getting to your vacation in the hotel room, and you're thinking, going to the beach, or the first thing you're thinking is not, oh, I wonder how many underwear I got with me. No, you're, you're in full-on conference or vacation, but not Kenny. Why? Because he didn't have any. And when you don't have any underwear, suddenly you start to think about it a lot, don't you? So we had to go to Target, I think it was, and, and get him some underwear. And, and this is the most disturbing part of the whole story. We get to Target, and he's upset at Target, because at Target, he said, they only had 10 packs of underwear. So he had to buy like a 10 pack of underwear. He said, this is ridiculous. I can't buy one pair of underwear. I was disturbed because it was a two-night conference. (laughs) And he was upset that he couldn't buy one pair. And I was thinking, I'm glad they only have 10 packs because I want that second night to be clean underwear too. But if you don't have underwear, you start to think about them all the time, don't you? This, this, these kind of gifts over the next three weeks, the kind that you don't even think are necessary until you don't have them. And then they kind of become all you can think about. Think about it for a second. Doesn't it make sense? You don't really crave peace in your marriage until your home starts to feel like a war zone. You don't really start to desire hope until life feels hopeless. You don't really worry about the test until it's the night before and you don't hardly know any of the answers. It's kind of like if we don't need the thing or we don't think we need it, then we don't even think about it. You're not desperate for a drink of water until you really get thirsty enough. Think back to the very first Christmas. Wasn't that story littered with this exact kind of example? It's exactly what we need. It's exactly what they needed. But it definitely wasn't what they were expecting. I mean, think about it for a second. Do you think Joseph expected to father a child that wasn't his? you think Mary expected to give birth in a barn? You think any of the Jewish people expected their king to be born to commoners? I mean, the whole Christmas story is littered with examples of pieces of the puzzle that are good for us and we need, but nobody expected them. Imagine the Christmas story without the stable, without Joseph in the picture, Without the Messiah being born to commoners, we would have a whole different view of that story, wouldn't we? And yet it isn't what anybody expected to find in that story. It was was packed full of those kind of gifts, those kind of examples. But that's a good thing because that's really exactly what Jesus was like. Kind of one big unexpected gift. And if you think about Jesus, he was exactly the gift everyone needed. But he wasn't the gift that everyone wanted. He's exactly the gift that everyone needs, but he isn't the gift that even everybody today wants. He's that kind of gift. So what is the gift? When I say Jesus is a gift, and maybe you've heard that in church around Christmas time, God sent Jesus as a gift to us. What's the gift? I want to tell you today what the gift is. Here it is. You ready? The gift is love. I'm going to show you in God's Word in just a second but I want you to hear it first before I read it to you. The gift is love. And, and that makes Jesus the perfect gift because he was not just loving. He was actually love. And even if you don't need it, or you don't think you need it, even if you don't realize it, even if you're not expecting it, I promise you what you want in life is Love. It's one of those things we tend not to appreciate until it's missing from our life. So here's kind of the key idea for today. Can I give it to you if you're a note taker? Jot this down. Here it is, ready. Love is the answer for everything. Your marriage, your parenting, your career, your education, your peace of mind, love is the solution. It's the answer to everything. Love is the greatest need that everybody in the whole world has, which is why Jesus is the greatest gift anybody can be given, because he is love. And so Jesus shows up on earth to be love for us. Now, what is love? What is real love? I'm going to read it to you, okay? And I made a list. It's from 1 Corinthians 13. A lot of times in Christian circles, they call that the love chapter. You can go there to find out how to be a good boyfriend, okay? The love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. I'm not going to read you the whole chapter, but I'm going to read you the list of what real love looks like. Okay, here's what it is. You ready? Love is patient. Oh, man. I would start it off with a lot of other things beside that if it was up to me. I just want you to know that. Love is kind. Love is not selfish. How many people are unloving already? You're already unloving, right? If you're like me, you're like, I don't like this list. I could rewrite this way better, Lord. Let me rewrite this one to be... I, I mean, I tell people I'm loving. I love my family. But now I'm three things into the list. I'm like, oh, F, 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 right? Let's keep going. It's not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrong. Doesn't demand its own way. It is not irritable. Should I keep reading? Anybody still loving? We're all the loving people. We got no loving people in our church. Not good. It's not good. It's not irritable. I'm a little irritated that you guys aren't loving. Is not resentful. Is not manipulative. Is always supportive. It always protects. It always trusts. It always perseveres. Never gives up. This is love. I want to be like, honest from my heart to you today, okay? I hate that. I hate that. I don't know if I'm hardly any of those things. I look at that, I'm like real discouraged. I'm thinking like, God, can't we, can't we make it like love is real reliable? Because I'm pretty reliable. Like if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Or or like love can always point out where you screwed up and tell you how to fix it. I'm good at that too. Can we, can we rewrite the definition? Because when I do that, I feel loving. I'm thinking to myself, like, I love them too much to let them keep doing the wrong thing. So I'm going to point out how screwed up they are and, and set them straight. That's got to be loving, right? But that isn't in the list anywhere. That's discouraging. I'm thinking, like, well, I'm pretty reliable, and I, I'm good at telling other people the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, but none of those things that I'm good at are what love actually is. It's, it's real disturbing. Is this maybe, like, what I need more than anything else in the whole world? I'm not very good at it. So at a, at a minimum, I could use for somebody to show me how to do it. But, but on the macro level, like more real to my heart, I need somebody to do that to me. And, and I spend my whole life really looking for that. And that's what Jesus came to do. So you can't recognize real love or the gift of love or the gift that was Jesus. You, you can't even recognize it until you're convinced you actually need it. And I think if you went around and you asked people, hey, on a scale of one to 10, how loving are you? Boy, you'd get a lot of six, seven, eights, until you showed them this list. and Then you'd probably find a lot of ones, zeros. Maybe we're not quite as loving as we think we are. Maybe we haven't received as much love as we think we have. Maybe we're expecting all these other gifts when the one we actually need isn't even on our radar. We think we've already mastered it. So Jesus shows up on earth and God sent him here to live. Not not, not so he could do a whole bunch of cool tricks. and Not really even because his teaching was so great. And, and, And not so we could just see what his face would look like if he took on human form. No, he sent him here. To show us what love really looked like. So we could see it and realize, I'm not like that. I, I need that. I, I, I didn't even know I needed it until I saw what Jesus was really like. Now let me read it to you. There's an awesome passage in John chapter 1 where Jesus is compared to the Word. I'm going to show it to you. It's in John chapter 1, verse 1. Let me read you the first verse. It says this, In the beginning, the Word already existed. Now hang with me just for a second. The word in Greek is the word logos, logos or logos, however you want to say it, logos. And it literally means, right? It literally means that it is the expression of thought, the expression of thought. So right when you're speaking, you're expressing your thoughts, right? So you're going to find out as we work through this here that Jesus is the word. Now I'm going to show you, I'm to just, don't just take my word for it, but Jesus is the word. And in the beginning, the word, the expression of of God's thought already existed. The word was with God and the word was literally God himself, okay? So now there's a whole bunch of stuff you can read in there. It's such a good chapter on what Jesus is like and what God's plan is and why Jesus came to earth. But if you skip the whole way down to verse 14, this is what it says. So the word, the expression of God's thoughts became human and made his home among us. This is Jesus. And what was he full of? He was full of unfailing love and truth. And we've seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Jesus calls Himself God's one and only Son, so we know this is Him. What is Jesus when He comes to earth? He is the expression of all of God's thoughts about you. So whatever comes out of Jesus is like your view of what God thinks of you. What God says about you. What God's doing for you. What God believes about you. And what is he so full of that overflows out of him? Unfailing love. And so Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. I see what God is like and what he thinks of me by seeing what Jesus did and what he said. He is the word, the Expression of God's thoughts. Look how John writes in his first letter, 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 9. Listen, see if you hear that same idea. God showed how much he loved us, how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son, the gift. Jesus, the expression of all of his thoughts for us, sent him to earth as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And this is why so many people are frustrated. Because they think it all starts with their effort. As if they loved God, and now he loves them back. But not that we loved him. But that he decided to express all of his love to us, irregardless of how dirty we treated him. Whoa. Whoa. He decided to express all of his patience and kindness and selflessness. All the description of him. He's not manipulating you. He's not seeking his own interest. He's always long-suffering. He trusts you. He's patient with you. He's waiting. He always has your best interest at heart. Real love. And so people get frustrated because they think, I got to clean my act up and then God will love me. If I do enough good things, I'll get into heaven. If I start going to church, then God will be okay with me, and I'll be living the right kind of life then. Where is that in our Bible? Where did God say that? No, not that we loved him. That he loved us. And so you get frustrated because you're trying to start the whole holiday season. You're trying to kickstart a brand new you. You're trying to start a new year. You're trying to turn over a new leaf, a new page in your life. And you're trying to do it with effort. And you're getting frustrated because it doesn't start with effort. It starts with grace. Grace is the Greek word charis. It just means loving someone who doesn't deserve it. And if it starts with grace, it ends with favor. But if it starts with your effort, it's going to always end in frustration. This is why so many people are frustrated. They don't even know what real love is. We're so warped that we think it always has to be earned. That I always have to perform for the Lord. That he'll be okay with me if I do enough of the right things. We don't even know what real love is. So let me ask you today, how do you know if you've actually received God's gift, God's love? How do you know if you've actually received it? You say, well, I know I've received it. Some of you already tuned out. You already tuned out. Good. You haven't received it. If you already tuned out, you're so cold to God's truth. You're not even, it's not even on your radar. But how do I know? I want to know that I'm really receiving God's love. Because when I look at the definition of love, I fall way short. So maybe I have it more screwed up than I think. I'm going to show you a verse that kind of clues us in on how you know. Here it is. You ready? It's, it's John 15, verse 9. Here's what it says. Jesus is talking to his followers. He says, I have loved you, just like the Father has loved me. Right? Here's this idea again, right? God loved me, Jesus. Now I loved you the same way. Right? And there's this phrase at the end. It's so important. You ready? Then he says, Remain in my love. Some translations of the Bible put that abide in me. Abide in me. The Greek there literally means remain in me and my love. What does he mean? He doesn't say remain around my love. Hey, I go to church. I get around God's love all the time. He doesn't say remain close to me. He doesn't say remain good for me. He says remain in me. What's it mean to remain in? In Jesus' love. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show you. So, how do you know if you've received God's love? There's two things you gotta do. I'm gonna give them both to you. Ready? Here's the first one you gotta experience it. What do I mean by that? I mean, you can't just know it. There's a difference between knowing and experiencing, it's understanding. I'm going to show it to you in the Bible. I'm not going to just make it. I'm going to show it. I'm going to prove it to you from what God says. But there's a difference between knowing. Hey, do you know God loves you? Yeah, I know God loves me. The whole county would tell you that. You'd be hard-pressed to find 30 people in this county that wouldn't tell you God loves everybody. But there's a difference between knowing and experiencing it. Can I read it to you? Paul writes about it in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Here's what he says. He's writing to this group of people, and he loves them so much, he starts to get passionate about praying for them. Listen to what he says. When I think of all this, all of what? If you read the first part of of Ephesians chapter 3, he's talking about when I think about how God has decided to love all of you and to offer eternal life to all of you. When I think about that, I get pumped up, so passionate that I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything on heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Does it sounds like he cares about these people, right? Now listen to what he says. Verse 17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him and your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. What's he talking about? Listen, verse 18. And may you have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Now look at verse 19. Is there a difference between know and experience? May you experience the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. What's he talking about? All right, he lists off four things he wants you to know. He's praying that God will empower you to understand these four things beyond knowledge, that he'll empower you to experience them, not just know them in your head. Did you see what they were? He wants you to know how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is for you. Now, I want to know today, do you know How wide God's love is for you? How high God's love is for you? How long God's love is for you? How deep God's love is for you? What is he talking about? Here it is, you ready? If you're a note taker, jot these down, you ready? He wants. Have you received God's love? Let's ask these questions together, you ready? Well, let me ask you this. Is God's love wide enough to include everybody? Or does it only apply to certain people? That's a good question. That's a good question because if God's love isn't wide enough to include everybody, then it's possible you haven't actually received God's love. You just know about it. What else does he say? I want you to know that God's love is long enough for all of eternity. Are you scared you're going to end up in hell? You go from day to day, and if you have a good day, then you feel like you're going to be good with God. And If you have a bad day, you feel like God's going to zap you, and you might end up in hell if you died that day. Fear? Huh. I guess God's love wasn't long enough for you, was it? You might not have received God's real love. You might just know about it. Is God's love high enough to overlook all your evil? Is it? You're walking around ashamed of yourself with your head down. God wouldn't love me. You know how screwed up I am? You know the way I think on the inside? You know what I did just last night? It's possible if you feel those things, it's possible you've never really received the real gift of God's love. You just know about it. Is God's love deep enough to handle everything that comes into your life? Or does the slightest little problem wreck you. Listen, somebody in your family dies. You get the diagnosis you don't want to hear. Financial hardship hits you that day. Circumstances don't seem to be going your way. The boss is treating you like garbage. Friends are stabbing you in the back. I got news for you. Everybody has that stuff. The people it doesn't wreck are the ones that are rooted deep in God's love. And so, if it wrecks you and you gotta run away and hide, you gotta shut down, stop living, you're so depressed you can't go on, it's possible. You haven't actually received God's real love. You just know about it. You need to experience it, not just know it. And there's a difference. So, let me ask you this Have you experienced Jesus' love this way? Have you experienced it this way? where you know his love can include you and anybody, no matter how different they are than you, where you know his love will never fail you, it'll be unconditional, it will last you into eternity, and nothing you do can pluck you out of his hand? Do you know his love like that? Do you know his, have you received the love that says, no matter how dirty and screwed up you are, he still loves you, you can't make him love you more, and you can't make him love you less? Have you received his love that can handle anything the world throws at you today? Or are you up and down from day to day? Are you afraid? Are you inconsistent? Are you scared? Are you uh, exclusive? Come on, man. Do you know the love of God like that? Because that's the only real love of God. Everything else is fake or just a knowledge. And it may not be what you want to hear may not be what you came to church today expecting, but it is what you need. And just because we don't expect it doesn't mean it's a gift we don't need. And I don't, care, and I don't care what prayer you prayed when you were seven. And I don't care what pastor dunked you under some water and told you you were good with God now. If you haven't received this kind of love from God if you're still walking around carrying the shame of all the mistakes you make, if you're still walking around thinking a bunch of people don't deserve God's love and so I'll get it but they won't, if you're still walking around thinking I could lose it, I could keep it, I might have it today, I might not have it today, if you're still walking around thinking something might come into my life today that'll just derail the whole ship, you haven't received the real love of Jesus. Because I can't find that in my Bible I can find examples of people that were getting stoned to death and still felt the presence of God. I can find examples of people that thought, I'm not like those Gentiles, but God said his love's for them too. I can find people in my Bible who thought, once Jesus saved me, I know I'm secure forever. And I don't ever have to doubt or worry about it again. That's the real love of Jesus. I don't have to be scared. And I don't have to think it's just for a few people. And I don't have to think that life can derail the whole ship. No, I can be on board with real love. Because that's what I need the most. So i got to experience it. But it can't stop there. There's a whole other piece of the puzzle. I want to read it to you. It's in John 15 verse 12, it says this Jesus says, This is my commandment love each other the same way I've loved you. Love each other the same way I've loved you. So you got to experience it and you got to extend it. It's not optional. There is no such thing as a person who has received love from God that doesn't extend love to others. It doesn't exist, it's fake. Do you see the the trickle down effect he's describing? Do you see the dominoes falling what Jesus is teaching here? He's saying, God has taken all of his thoughts and expressions of love and he's funneled them down on me and I have in turn given them to you. And I love you just like God loves me. Now you go and love other people the same way I've loved you, the same way God loved me. Do you see it? This is real love. This is the reason Jesus came. I mean, you hear a lot of stuff about why Jesus came, but all the miracles and all the teaching and all that stuff means nothing, nothing, if he didn't love you enough to give up his whole life for you. Real love. you got to extend it to others. In fact, you could go so far as to say, if you don't extend Jesus' love to other people, then you have not experienced Jesus' love for yourself. See, it's the natural. No, it's the supernatural thing to do, to be loved by God and then channel it out to everybody else. There is no other way to do it. Let me show you how John describes this idea in 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Listen to this. It's awesome. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God. Everybody in this county would say they're a child of God. Do they love like 1 Corinthians 13? Might be worth thinking about. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But look at the next verse, super scary, verse 8. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Hey, I don't like it either. But are we going to candy coat it or preach the truth? There is no such thing as a person who experiences God's love and doesn't extend it. Look at verse 11. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love, here's this wording again, the word And His love is brought to full expression, full logos in us. We become the Word of God to people. Do you see it? God loves Jesus. Jesus loved us. We love others. And when we love them, what they see is everything that God thinks about them. Everything that God feels for them. Everything that God dreams and hopes and wants for them. Everything they need. Even if it's not what they expect or want. That's how they see it. In, in Christianity, growing up, you grew up in like traditional Christianity, you might have heard somebody say, like, I gotta give God my time, talent, and treasure. You ever hear that before? What is he saying? I'm taking everything I am, my ability, my time, my money, and I'm leveraging all of it, all of it, to love other people so that through me. They will see what God thinks of them. But we don't even have time to knock on our neighbor's door. We can't even be troubled to give God 20 bucks. We don't have time to commit to anything for Jesus because I'm too busy building my own kingdom. I'm too busy tracking down all the things I want and ignoring the thing I need the most. How embarrassed will I be When I stand in front of God one day and he asks me how much of my time I spent on him and not myself. How much of my money I leveraged for him and not the next toy. How much of my ability I used to love others instead of get my own way. How embarrassed will I be? So let me ask you this. Is love what marks you? Is it what you're known for? Let's back up through those things again. Are you inclusive with your love? Or is it only reserved for like one or two people in your life? Because that isn't God's love. His love is wide enough to include everybody. Is your love unconditional? Or do people tend to pretty easily end up on the dark blacklist in your life? The dead to me list. Because that isn't God's love. His love is long enough to last for eternity. Do you forgive other people? Because forgiven people forgive people. Because God's love is high enough to overlook all their evil. Does your faith wave up and down, back and forth, depending on your circumstances each day? I know there's some of you here right now. If you got the wrong call next Saturday, you won't even be here on Sunday. If if the wrong bill shows up on Friday, you're not giving out any money next Sunday. It takes so little to knock us off the right path. Because we haven't actually experienced the real love of Jesus. We know it. We just don't understand it. We haven't experienced it. These are all the indicators that you may not have experienced the real love of Jesus. Maybe I can ask it to you another way. Do you find yourself feeling disappointed in life often? Because if you do, there's a good chance you haven't received the real love of Jesus. Because what it does is it drives out the disappointment, it drives out the fear, it drives out the shame, it drives out the elitism. It drives all that stuff out and it unloads on you unconditional value. It unloads on you unending forgiveness. It, un- it un- unloads on you eternal security. It unloads on you a love that is wide enough for the whole world. So how could the world knock me off kilter today? How could one phone call wreck my world? Not if I've received the real love of Jesus because I got something better in my life. No matter how bad it sounds, maybe it's because you've been rejecting the gift you need and settling for all the gifts you want instead. Will you today receive the love of Jesus, the real gift of Christmas? It's it's the greatest need you've got. It's nothing greater. And it's the answer to everything. And like I said before, I don't care what prayer you've prayed in the past, there's no magic prayer in the Bible. It's a heart-to-heart between you and God. You can't run game on God. You can't manipulate him, pull the wool over his eyes. He knows what's going on on the inside. So it's a real heart-to-heart between you. It doesn't have to be any special words. You don't have to repeat after me. You don't have to sign anything or walk down the aisle. But in your heart, God knows what you're thinking. You can't fool him. Have you received his real love? And if not, today could be the day. Just be like, God, I might have screwed it all up every day of my life till now, but today I want your real love. I know I'm messed up. Thank you that you died for me anyhow. I know that I don't deserve it, but thank you for loving me anyhow. I know that I can't, I, can't, I still won't get it all right from this day forward, but thank you for forgiving me. The, the best words you could say to God are probably thank you. Not I'll be better. Not I'll try harder. That's not real love. We didn't love him. He loved us. So I want to invite you today to walk into the gift you need the most this Christmas. To walk into the gift that is your greatest need and receive God's love for you. Well, we're singing the last song. You don't have to cry it out loud. You don't have to come see me. Just, just you and God one-on-one. Thanks, God. Thanks, God. I don't know what to say, but thanks. I just want to experience your love. And in that moment, Jesus will invade your life and transform you into a brand new person, a brand new creation. Will you guys stand with me and let me pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would give the people in this room right now the, the conviction to believe what your word is teaching us and the courage to act on it by receiving your love. And if you're here and you don't understand it all, and you want to talk about it more, you can come see me afterwards. I'd love to talk to you about it. I don't want you to go through another Christmas without knowing the real love of Jesus on an experiential level, without understanding it in your heart, not just your head. So come talk to me, and we'll walk you through it again. We'll walk you through it step at a time, and we'll let you cross from death to life and let Jesus give you the best gift you've ever been given. In Jesus' name.